Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, The Felix Files. The Felix Files. The Felix Files. The Felix Files. Well, how do you feel? Excellent. Really excellent. Hello and welcome to The Felix Files. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. And I'm Katie. And Sarah is out today because she is working like a busy little bee. December, everybody's crazy. I feel Just like a little bit. Yes. So we are joined today by a very special guest, host, um, for a, a lady who is especially BA. So our topic today is none other than Hogwarts professor Minerva McGonagall. And joining us is Tam Tam Clay. I hope you're Tam Tam. So, Tam Tam, that's what I'm going to call you forever, um, we just want to get to know you a little bit better, so you're going to give us your Hogwarts house, Ilvermorny house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Potter, and your feelings on our girl McG. So, take it away. Alrighty, so, as you can tell from the accent, I apologize in advance, I'm from Australia. Don't apologize for that. No way. We love it. Just in case I fling out some, you know... Uh, slang out there that no one understands that's where it comes from (laughs) Um, but I um, sorted myself uh, probably a couple of years ago with the reboot and it came up Ravenclaw and I must say that that made sense to me Uh, previously on the older version it came up Hufflepuff and so those two are quite uh, close to me but I do resonate a little bit more with Ravenclaw um just that thirst for knowledge base um so my wand is laurel wood um unicorn hair 10 inches three quarter 10 three quarter inches would be more accurate (laughs) (laughs) it's all good yeah that's really cool yeah i believe you've already had a laurel wood wand on one of your episodes so and my patronus is an oc cat oh nice I yeah. think that fits you very well. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, so, Ilvermorny House is Thunderbird. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say this, that every time I think about it, I always think about Thunderbirds are go. Like, I just get that. <laughs> that 
<laughs> that might be a little bit of an older reference for anyone younger out there, but that's always what goes into my head whenever I think that I'm from um, Thunderbirds. <laughs> That's like Thundercats, isn't it? No. Thundercats, oh. You got it. Oh, my God. I always think of the Pokemon Zapdos, the legendary bird. Yes. Yeah. I do, too, actually. Um. How I got into Potter, I was probably 13, and my auntie on my dad's side bought me the first three books for my birthday. And um, I I was first year of a teenager, so I didn't really quite understand why my auntie was giving me a children's book to read, and that's how I <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> um, so those, unfortunately, those three books kind of collected dust for a while on the shelf, and um, I just I didn't have any drive to read them but something drew me to them and I've never looked back so I had to have more as soon as I started reading the first book I just had to have more so I whizzed through those first three books mm-hmm. um, and fortunately for me the the fourth book was already hidden the shelves so um, I wasn't on the bandwagon from the get-go but I was I had to do that patiently waiting for the books and yeah you know, things like that so <laughs> drove me um, crazy yep Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and my thoughts about McGee and, well, there's three characters in Harry Potter universe that has my unwavering lo- loyalty and she is one of them. Nice. And um, I just like her style. I, um, she's someone I admire to um, become more like. I have some similarities with her, but just the way she conducts herself, she just goes in and gets it done she'll make those hard decisions that no one else might be capable to do. And, um, well, as we might learn today, she's especially fond of cats. So, <laughs> Really? <laughs> uh, that lady. <laughs> so we, we share that <laughs> together. So, yeah, I, I love her to bits. Um, I know she's a fictional character, but she makes me try and become a better person. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. We all have I love a character it. like that. I totally yeah. understand it. I mean, honestly, yeah. as soon as you said, like, you know, there's a handful of characters that have my unwavering loyalty, I was like, yeah, I think McGonagall's one of mine, too. Like, I I don't really have any qualms about her. She, like, there's nothing negative I really ever have to say about McGonagall. I love everything. Uh, Wait, what? Points <laughs> taken. <laughs> what did I say negative about her? Meg, you went on, like, a four-day <laughs> rant uh, about her taking points away. Okay, yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Well, Starting I forgot about flies. that. <laughs> I'm going to well, be my <laughs> Everything except her point-taking policies. I, uh, I love about her. Everyone yeah. has to have a flaw, right? Yeah, that's hers. <laughs> All right, so now that we get to know you a little bit more, and I love that you connect to this character, tis why you are here, ma'am, um, I want to point out to the listeners that we're going to be pulling a lot of the information from an ebook that Joe has written called Pottermore Presents Short Stories from Hogwarts of Heroism, Hardship, and Dangerous Hobbies. Before Megan gets into her piece, I wanted to read the little intro that Joe wrote before she herself dove into McGee as a character. So it says, Minerva McGonagall is many things. Gifted witch, stern Hogwarts professor, lifelong Quidditch enthusiast, and occasional tabby cat. 
If there's one thing she's not, it's an open book. There's really no better way to get to know someone than hearing about their parents, their childhood, their first love, and their stubbornly held grudges. So it's with great joy we fellow J.K. Rowling. Oh nope, we follow J.K. Rowling's writing back to the Scottish Highlands, where we can glimpse McGonagall's life as she found joy, friendship, magic, and a job at Hogwarts. Take it away, Ern. <laughs> so. Shout out to the Scottish Highlands, because they're beautiful. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about, like, her family tree and, like, her history, mostly her parents' history, really, leading up to, like, her birth and then her becoming magical. Because we can't get too far (laughs) in, because we got to give you guys lots of episodes, all right? Exactly. So, um, she has a muggle father and a witch mother, so her... Mm, yep, that's all I was going to say about that right now. <laughs> then she was... <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Okay, next. Her <laughs> husband was Elphinstone Urquhart. Hello. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Not too sure, sure. but anyway. Interesting. He did. Pour one out for <gasps> him. Meg! <laughs> Excuse you, your Slytherin showing. Well, I said pour one out for him, okay? Like, yeah. He did. <laughs> and, he did. And they had no children, so sad day for them. Um, Minerva was the first... <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I have the giggles. That cat was making me laugh, and I just... Okay. Uh, so Minerva was the first and only daughter of a Scottish Presbyterian minister... That is her muggle father, in case anybody didn't make that connection, because, you know, just in case. Uh, And also, her mom was a Hogwarts-educated witch. So her father was Reverend Robert McGonagall, and her mother was Isabel... Isabel. Sorry, I said that weird. Isabel Ross. Uh, Robert was under the impression that Isabel went off to a ladies' boarding school in England whenever she would disappear for months at a time. Uh, But she was actually attending Hogwarts. What? Hmm. Oh, I thought you poked me. Um, Isabel believed her parents would frown on her falling in love with a muggle. And I thought that that was kind of weird, because, like, I always envisioned the UK to be, like, more accepting of something like that. But I guess maybe, like, depending on when she was born, because we don't know. don't know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, like, there's, like, a certain turning point in that or something that we just don't know of. But Over in the UK? I yeah, mean, yeah. I bet it's I bet it's all <laughs> gradual, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So she by the time she was eighteen though, she had fallen in love with Robert, um, but had never told him that she was a witch, so that's kind of problematic. Uh-oh. Uh when Sorry Bob. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. So <laughs> Isabel and Robert eloped and then she was estranged from her family. Whoa. So like this was like serious viewpoints. I, I don't I don't know. They were they were serious about it. So Isabel still hadn't told Robert at this point that she was a witch. Yes, Tamron. I'm just going to interject there, but by both sides of the family as well. So <clears throat> both sides of the family were not pleased of the elopement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but probably because he's like a minister, right? So they didn't want it to yeah. just be. They wanted it to be like a real right ceremony. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So he had. She still hasn't told him that she was a witch at this point. Nor that she was top in her class in charms, which I just thought was a fun little fact because, you know, Minerva is obviously very clever and very, like, good at what she does. And charms and transfiguration, like, I think can go hand in hand. It's both, like, wand work and um, so I Mm -hmm. thought that that was an interesting connection. 
Wasn't uh, Lily Potter really good at charms as well? Yes, she was. Mm-hmm. And potions. Basically, she was good at everything. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> Except staying alive for her son, but... Oh! <laughs> she was good at protecting him. I know. Whoa. I guess that's true. She, I mean... What? She did a great thing. Happened. Meg's in a mood today. Just, you are in a mood. You're squirrely. <laughs> squirrely. I like being squirrely. Uh, she was also captain of the Quidditch team, which again ties into Minerva because Minerva was also, I don't know if she was captain at any point, but she was definitely on the Quidditch team. Mm-hmm. So that's where she got it from. Uh, so Minerva was then born and she was... As I said before, she was the firstborn. She was named after Isabel's grandmother, who was an immensely talented witch. But this caused controversy in the uh, neighborhood or, like, parish, I guess, of the minister because Minerva is supposedly a very weird name. I don't know. Doesn't seem that weird to me, but... It just seems cool. Sorry. I, yeah, I just think it sounds like a cool name. Yes. When you were like, it caused trouble in the neighborhood, I was like, all I can think of is Fresh Prince Start a Little Trouble in the Neighborhood. <laughs> McGee Start a Little Trouble in the Neighborhood. You should have got a name. Little trouble. <laughs> Tamron, did you want to add something to this lovely conversation going on? <laughs> the rest of the rap, perhaps. I was just going to say, you know, I could recite the rest of it, but I won't. <laughs> Um, I guess in that point in time, um, and considering he became, um, he became, um, hang on, what are we talking about? Oh, goodness. Her name. Her name. Yeah. I suppose in a traditional sense, it's, it's from Roman mythology. Oh, yeah. yeah. The name Minerva. So if there was, uh, quite a background of religious taste then possibly might have been raised a few eyebrows with the with the name Minerva given the fact that he was a a pastor or minister Uh, that's my that's my that's what I took from it when I read that information probably something they probably were expecting something more saintly or well I mean his name is Robert right so like that it's just like a very you know Standard. I'm not no knock against any Roberts that listen to us, but it's just a pretty common name. <laughs> My dad's common name's Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding either. <laughs> Wasn't your name gonna be Robert? Yeah, your, if I was a boy. boy it was You're forever now, Bob, in my heart. <laughs> okay. Oh. I prefer Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so I like how Joe like described it though in this little ebook. Um, her name stuck out. Oh, actually, hold on. Joe didn't say that. I made that up. <laughs> oh, what? Oh my God, guys! What is wrong with me today? I wrote in my notes that apparently the name stuck out like a sore thumb. I made that up. Joe did not write that. Anyway, uh, people actually questioned it. Uh, Robert was also concerned about how moody Isabel was after the birth of Minerva, and I. Th- I'm what I took away from that is just that she was getting more worried about having to tell him because Minerva started showing signs of magic at a very young age, whether it was just, um, hold on, let me pull it up really quick. There were some cute examples of like what she did. No, I swear I've read this before and I've forgotten it all. So I'm stoked. (laughs) It said Isabel, however, became more and more withdrawn, often secluding herself with Minerva for days at a time. Isabel, 
later told Minerva that she had displayed small but unmistakable signs of magic from her earliest hours. Toys that had what? Been left, yeah, toys that had been left on upper shelves were found in her cot. The family cat appeared to do her bidding before she could talk. Cat <laughs> foreshadowing there. Right. Um, and her father's bagpipes were occasionally heard to play themselves from distant rooms, a phenomenon that made the infant Minerva chuckle. Oh my gosh. Mm. So I thought that was cute. So she's clearly a very powerful witch, I think. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, like, I never even thought about magic being shown that early before. I know. I was all, I kind of always assumed it was like, oh, when they're like two or three, maybe something like that. Right, happen. like toddler age. And yeah. then, like, a later time would maybe be like more six. more common. Yeah. Well, like, true story, Alana was like three hours out and she really? started. Really? Like, what did she do? <laughs> She changed her old time. <laughs> Whoa, man. She's very advanced. I believe That's amazing. It. I believe it. Yep. I believe it. <laughs> so, uh, Isabel was also, like, at this point, torn between being proud of Minerva and also just, like, being terrified over the fact that now, like, it's getting closer and closer to she's actually going to have to tell Robert the truth. Um, so, finally, she does. And he's not so much angry that she's a witch. He's just angry that she kept a secret from him for so long, which is understandable. I mean, obviously they were together yeah. for a while at this point. And they have a kid who is a couple months old, I would guess, at this point. So he was also just known to be like a very honest man. Um, and this kind of forced him into a life of secrecy. He wasn't allowed to talk openly about his family and honestly about his family. He had to do a lot of pretending and, like, it just wasn't something he was comfortable with. Um, yeah. I mean, that, I, you don't think of that either. That's got to take a special kind of person, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, like, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, though, because Isabel and Minerva at this point were bound by the International Statute of Secrecy to conceal what they were. Not that, like, because the International Statute of Secrecy is still in effect, like, to this day in the Wizarding World. I think that there are just, like, different levels as to how different countries take that statute. So, like, mm. in America, it was, like, zero communication with muggles. Right. Like, absolutely nothing. But in England, like, they were okay with you marrying a muggle. Like, they would allow it, all that kind of stuff. However, like, you still had to keep what you were a secret from everybody else unless yeah. they were another witch or wizard right so minerva at a young age could already see the broken trust between her parents so like that had to be hard i think for her to see and like comprehend at such a young age um but smart. then she yeah she's pretty smart she's yeah. clever mm -hmm. so <laughs> she did have two <laughs> more brothers um and they also showed signs of being magical so this took a lot of time um, helping, and she had to help her mom basically a lot to, like, conceal magic and accidents and embarrassments that happened due to magic from her younger brothers, from her dad, because it just added stress to him to, like, find out that these things were happening, um, but also just, you know, from the other people in their neighborhood. Yeah. Yep. Starting um, all that trouble. Right. 
So she was also super close to her dad, though, and kind of empathized with him. What? I'm glad. I'm glad that this didn't ruin a relationship between him and her. Yeah, I agree. Because it no, could have. Like, I can see... I'm glad that he didn't stop loving Isabel, but I can see, like, you lied to me for this long. Like, why didn't you just tell me? And I'm yeah. Glad that, but it yeah. didn't yeah. ruin it with his children. I'm glad he didn't take it out on his kids, though. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that. Good um, job, Robert. Good job, Bob. Way to go, Bob. <laughs> so, uh... She empathized with him, though, because she could see how much he was struggling with the situation that he was kind of forced into by her mom. Um, She could also see the strain of being in an all-muggle community for her mom, though, because as we knew earlier, like, her mom was top of the class in charms, was really good at Quidditch, and now, like, she couldn't just be open about that kind of stuff because she lived in a neighborhood that was all-muggles. Yeah. Um, Mm. so that would be difficult for somebody too. So they both kind of put themselves in a bad situation. Like if you would have just been open and honest, there probably could have been more compromise that came, um, earlier on in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think because of like the secrecy, it kind of forced these struggles on them. It pretty much put chains on them, you know, right. In different ways. Um, Yeah. Also... Minerva says that Isabel cried a lot whenever she got her letter when she was was 11. However, she knew that it was not just out of pride, but also envy. Because she could go off and, and yeah, like, let she her could magic be, grow. Yeah, Minerva was able to go to Hogwarts and just be who she was, whereas Isabel still kind of had to hold herself back. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. It really stinks. I would really, like, beg to move to a different city. Yeah. Correct. But yeah, also that would be like enough to do that. So that's probably hard, too, because, like, he's probably grown roots in this community that, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Tis. Tis. All right. Good first part. Way to go. All right. So, McGonagall <laughs> is part of the greatest Hogwarts house. <laughs> Gryffindor. <laughs> Oh, so, get off your high horse. <laughs> I'm just saying, she's my girl. Um, She arrived at Hogwarts in... Huh? We don't know. <laughs> TBD, y'all. I said Fantastic Beasts might explain. I said there's conveniently no birth year recorded for her. October 4th of... God knows when. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Some people claim that there was a year at one point, and now it's been deleted. Prove Correct. it. Correct. Um, Show me a screenshot. <laughs> ooh. It's, it's more like the maths that's deducted from a passage in um, Order of the Phoenix. So it's when Dolores Umbridge is asking her how long she's um, served as a teacher. So with that in mind, I've forgotten off the bat what she actually says. I think it's it something like 39 40. years or something. 30, yeah. yeah, something yeah. along those lines, yeah. So they've deducted that. And then took into account um, her previous job. Sorry if that's taking someone else's no. um, spot. <laughs> so her previous job at the ministry, which was two years, um, and that was straight off graduating wow. from Hogwarts because mm-hmm. there's uh, she only kept, she only stayed a summer with her parents um, after Hogwarts. So with that in mind, they were able to, I think, predict that her birth date should have been between 1935 and 38, somewhere between those those years. Um, but, yeah, if you've watched Crimes of Grindelwald, <laughs> we don't know. 
we don't know what the deal is there. So I mean, uh, I could can be explained. guarantee you with a hundred percent positivity, Joe will give us an answer. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. It's Actually, too much of a big, huge blunder for yeah. there not to be an explanation with a good reason. Good right, reason. So. There you go. Because the thing is, is like she knows how people like us dissect her universe, and she would not have done that. I don't think willy nilly. You know. Yeah. yeah. Something's going on. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know what. People can rightfully question until we find out the answers, but there will be an answer. So just have patience. Yes. Kind patience. Have patience, young grasshoppers. <laughs> young bow truckles. Young bow Yeah, truckles. there it is. I was like, we gotta make this magical somehow. <laughs> Alright. Um, much like Harry Potter, the magical world that enveloped Hogwarts was a joyful release and freedom for McGonagall. Um, and I liked that because I think that makes her understand Harry a lot more than other people do. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we find out that she is a true hat stall. So after five and a half minutes, the sorting hat called her a Gryffindor after debating between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you can truly see, um, I'm sorry, you can see truly see why she was a hat stall within the Harry Potter series because of how witty and sharp she is. As well as having, like, nerve and bravery. And I said she's my hero. Uh, also, very cool. I love her relationship with Flitwick. Because I find this really interesting. Joe wrote, In later years, this circumstance was a subject of gentle humor between Minerva and her colleague, Phileas Flitwick. Over whom the sorting hat suffered the same confusion. But reached the opposite conclusion. So, I don't know if he was a hat stall. I didn't look that up. He was a true yeah. hat stall? Yes. Okay. The two heads of house were amused to think that they might, but for those crucial moments in their use, have exchanged positions. That's cute. I like that. A lot. Um, she was quickly recognized as the most outstanding student in her year with a talent for transfiguration. And according to the ebook, McGonagall's school career overlapped with her fellow head of house. How do you say her? Pa- Pomona? Pomona. Pomona. Pomona Sprout. And I said, hey, Katie. Hey. <laughs> they were Biffs then, that? and they're Biffs now. And I would like to point out that McGonagall can really relate to Hermione in this sense, because Hermione's the brightest in her year, and she was. And I think that probably had a lot to do with the trust of the time-turner. Go ahead, Meg. I agree. But also, I was going to say that um, I just looked up to see if Professor Sprout had a birth year on Pottermore, and there is Zilch. She's Ooh. not dumb. She's not dumb. <laughs> I know. I was like, come on, give it to me. <laughs> yeah, right. She's probably like, got you, Meg. <laughs> yes, oh. I also have to correct myself. Um, according to Wiki, he wasn't a true hat stall, but in, uh, well, it was his Flitwick anyway. Um, he wasn't a true hat stall. However, I haven't checked out Pottermore, so I could still be right. But I was pretty sure that there was only a few hat stalls. There's only like a handful, yeah. Yeah, and I was pretty sure that I read that he was actually one of them. But I could be wrong, so I I welcome the correction on my own behalf. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole um, article on hat stalls, so it's there on Pottermore. We just I'm have to look it up. it up right now. I yeah, pull it up. Pull it up. <laughs> 
I just love how I correct myself, even as a raver oh, girl. That's just, you know. You should, though. If you are like, mm, let me fact check. Nothing <laughs> wrong. The only true hat stalls known personally to Harry Potter were Minerva McGonagall and Peter Pettigrew. Oh. I almost said a curse word. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, close hat stalls included Neville Longbottom and Hermione right. Granger. Right. That's interesting. So I wonder why she didn't talk about Flitwick at all if he if the hat took a long time. Interesting. Hmm. All right. And Hermione's was the exact same issue as McGonagall, yep. Gryffindor, and Ravenclaw. She's like her mini. Yeah, honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she even scolds the boys like McGonagall does. That's so true. Do you think that she would take points away the same way McGonagall does? I don't know. Probs. I don't know. Maybe at the beginning, but I feel like Hermione got, like, she relaxed a little bit as the years went on. Relaxed think, and then didn't relax, I you know? I think Hermione is my true hero. Yeah. She's a good lady, that lady. Mm-hmm. She's a lady. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> hey, lady. Looks like a lady. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> All right. Did I Mag- quick? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Did did we tell you that at that History of Magic exhibit, J.K. Rowling abbreviated Hermione's name as Herm? <gasps> yeah, oh, on yeah. and out. You shut your mouth. I'm serious. On and out. Really? Like she did for Order of the Phoenix. Handwritten, handwritten Herm. We yeah. looked for Mc, we looked for McG, but <laughs> yeah, there was no there. McG, but but Herm was there. I am one with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Great minds and tired hands. They don't want to write it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So McGonagall received top grades in Al's Newts. She was the prefect head girl and the winner of Transfiguration Today's Most Promising Newcomer Award. Reminds me of Lockhart. Lockhart's awards. But Um, much better awards. (laughs) Like legit awards. (laughs) Properly earned. I like charming smiles. (laughs) (laughs) um her transfiguration teacher was none other than mr albus dumbledore my main dumbly man so by studying with dumbledore she was able to become an animagus which turned into a (gasps) tabby cat we didn't know so (laughs) she was also a gifted quidditch player and she had a particularly nasty fall in her final year at Hogwarts during the Gryffindor versus Slytherin match. I said shocking, right, Meg? Yeah, I, I probably so. pushed her off her broom. Oh my god. Those Slytherins. <laughs> it was probably your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, that game decided the winner of the Quidditch Cup, but she doesn't say who won. Oh, nice. Joe! And I kind of Ooh. assume Slytherin won because of how she holds a grudge to, like, you know what I mean? She does. She does, yeah. So I feel like, I feel like Slytherin probably won that match. Um, this fall caused McGee to have several broken ribs, and she was unconscious, guys. That's mm. not nice. Poor McGee. So now she had the drive to crush Slytherin in Quidditch. All right. So, to the Ilvermorny house. I said... I would probably sort her into either Horned Serpent, which represents the mind, or into Wampus, which is a warrior. Because we see that she is so incredibly sharp. Like, her mind is absolutely amazing. But she's also, like, this BA warrior, and we see that in the war. 
Like, think about all she has to put up with, with, you know, Snape being headmaster for that year and the caros and all of this. Like, she is a warrior. I don't know. But she's also a cat, right? We got a lot of hands up here. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not cutting you off. I'm just saying, like, what's going on? Talk to me, people. Tam, go ahead first. You had your hand up first. Oh, I was just going to say, you could go first. (laughs) Um, Oh. Throat check there. <laughs> um, I um, think when you look at her name Minerva, it comes from the Roman <clears throat> Roman mythology um, of the goddess of wisdom and war strategy. Oh, yeah, just both. yeah, and that obviously mirrors Greek mythology with Athena as well. So in, in both accounts, they're incredibly intelligent but also have that strategic mind when it comes to war so that's perfect when we're talking about ill morning when it comes to warrior versus uh the mind so i think that's pretty accurate assumption for those two houses but i'd be interested to hear what the uh other houses would be um in terms of her personality as well i think that so the way that the sorting happens at ilver morning is that the um I guess mascots, if you want to call them. What do you say? Like, what are they called? Animals. (laughs) I know what you're saying. Symbols? uh, Is that what you said, Tam? Symbols? um, I said sigil, like a house sigil. Um, I I said animal. (laughs) um, They call it like a sigil, like in Game of Thrones, when, like, say if you're house dark, it's like a wolf and Lannister's a lion and things like that so but i don't know if a sigil is actually the plaque of the emblem or whether that actually is the yeah what it's called i don't know representative ah that's a good word that's a good word so the way that the sorting works at elver morning is the representatives (laughs) of each house present themselves basically like you are worthy to be in my house so I'm going to guess that if McGonagall walked up there, both Horned Serpent and Wampus would present themselves to her and she would get to choose which one she went with. So another now, That is cool. And well, I'm going who, to who guess would she choose? I'm going to guess she would choose Wampus because it's a cat. Let's be real. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, she's got a connection with cats. She would probably be like, This cat wants me. It yes. has two extra legs. I'm in. Yep. It's she, really? she would go wampus. Yeah. I've never noticed that. Can you be a horned wampus? Nope, she's just a wampus. Also, I'm a wampus. Oh my god. You're a fake wampus. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're also I'm a fake not. boss. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have a fake Your Patronus. Your life is a lie. <laughs> I do have a fake Patronus, however. I did legitimately get wampus. It just took a couple tries to get it. And I was answering honestly every single time. It was different questions. <laughs> oh boy alright I'm going to the yellow whatever the yellow. wait you didn't even guess what she would be what That's tr- you didn't say I if didn't she would really be either. oh I'm sorry I would say oh, no, I, totally ki- I totally cut Tiffany off so that's my fault <laughs> no you're fine no I just couldn't decide so I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Horned Serpent yeah of course you are whatever I'm going to say Wampus. <laughs> yeah, would. you like my logic? Well, I'm d- I know you can't compare um, Meg's wiggling her eyebrows at me. I can't concentrate. Um, <laughs> Hogwarts houses and 
Elvermorny houses. Like, you're not supposed to be like, well, this one means Gryffindor, and this one means that. But Gryffindor seems like a warrior type one, and Ravenclaw would seem like the mind one. So I would pick Wampus because she did end up in Gryffindor. I'm a horned serpent, and I'm a Gryffindor. Well, you just proved everything I said wrong, so I'm just going to walk out. (laughs) I'm just going to leave. No, it's hard. It's like apples and oranges, man. Yeah. I mean, I just think if she had the choice between a snake and a cat, McGonagall... That's what I would pick. McGonagall's picking a cat. That's not what it's about. But you can't tell me as an 11-year-old, you're not going to be like, I love cats, I'm picking the cat. Of course that's what it's going to be like when you're 11. (laughs) That's why she picked Gryffindor, it's a lion. Right? Who wants to be an eagle? Sorry, Tam, just kidding. Oh, she's so sad. <laughs> I love Ravenclaws. It's fine. <laughs> You're Ravenclawsome, Tam. Yeah, Ravenclawsome. Wait, Sarah, to back me up, damn it. <laughs> she is not here. <laughs> I'm Raven rooting for you. Okay, oh, Katie, God. I can't. I Let's can't. Let's go to yellow now. <laughs> All right, so... Tiffany stole a bunch of things that I was going to say, so watch me stumble through this. It's going to be real great. Tweet. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay, because you actually put your notes in first, but I try not to read everybody else's notes, because I don't want to ruin it for myself, but in this instance, I should have. Oh, well. So, my section is how she matches up with house, or Gryffindor house traits. Um, So, I did pull the little hat stall thing that Tiffany read about her and Flitwick, because I thought that was cute. (laughs) <laughs> um, so Gryffindor house traits, just straight off the book, off of Pottermore, um, courage, daring, nerve, chivalry, brave, sometimes to the point of recklessness, and they can also be short-tempered. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then there's Ravenclaw house traits, which would be intelligence, creativity, wit, just to name a few. So I think literally... A lot. I mean, McGonagall is not your average Gryffindor, which I'll get to a little bit later. Um, what? Can I just say that upon all of the uh, times I've taken the Pottermore quiz, I have gotten sorted into Ravenclaw twice. I've never gotten Ravenclaw. I've never gotten Hufflepuff. I've only, I've gotten Gryffindor. What did I do it? I First time I got Gryffindor, second time I got Gryffindor, so I'm Gryffindor. But then you guys made me do it that other time and I got Hufflepuff. I've never got Slytherin either. Just a good house there as well. <laughs> <laughs> but my all the all quiz says Ravenclaw's my second house. Hmm. So yep. there's the well, that. You're a McG. I like jukes. So I think <laughs> both houses really do fit her like down the middle. So it just kind of depends yeah. on I mean what you value. And I would say she does value more of that like courage. Courage daring. Like, yeah. Like that side. Just just a titch more. Like Harry, like going for the remember all. She valued that. She did. <laughs> yes, Tiffany. What if she values it so much because she wishes her mother had like the courage to like stand up and be like, look, this is what I want. I want to go somewhere else and, like, live our lives together oh, in the yeah. open. Yeah. I'm sure I wonder that, yeah. what house her mom was. I wish we knew that. Yeah. Probably Gryffindor or Ravenclaw, I would think. Since they were, because usually, you know, it kind of stays yeah. really close within the family. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. So I pulled something from MuggleNet, actually, that I felt totally captured what I was trying to, like, say and how I felt about McDonagall. McDonagall! I like a fish. McGee's selling burgers. 
all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. I'm <laughs> Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> so I'm just going to read it right from the site. So they say her being um, a hat stall primarily. This fits since she is more than just a capable teacher. She's always one step ahead of the trio and can tell when they are up to no good. She's a rule follower and one of the wisest characters in the Harry Potter series, often giving her students kind advice, or as Meg would say, not not the right amount of points. Did I take what you were going to say? She raised her hand and then slowly put it down. (laughs) Unlike most Gryffindors, McGonagall only charges into danger if there's a good reason to do so. So unlike just being reckless, she has that Ravenclaw side where she thinks about it first, which is... I think really to her advantage. Um, Her calculated reasoning is to her advantage, but her Gryffindor side comes out when she's protecting her students. She is brilliant, yet bold. McGonagall teaches us that there's a time for discussion, and then there's a time to send off animated statues into battle. Yeah. So she definitely knows how she's the perfect balance between the two. Like, she knows when to be the stern teacher, and then she knows to be, like, have a biscuit potter. And, like, no, we need to talk about, like, we need to talk about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, I strive to be like that in my teaching life. Right? Like, super strict, but then, like, hey, let's have a laugh. Like, you know she's so smart, and she's obviously talented. And then she also has that side where she's going to stand up to Umbridge in front of all those students and give her sass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's going to attack somebody who she thought was her best friend, Snape. And, like, go at him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also not really, like, send curses at him to hurt him. She, like, purposefully misses him. You know what I mean? Kind of like he purposefully misses her. They're kind of just, like, Mm. they're, like, they're letting each other know that they, like, are in charge. You know what I mean? (laughs) But they're not, like, going at each other to hurt each other. Yeah. But that was still pretty brave, like, in front of the caros and everything for her to do yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. so, I also have her wand, which nice. is fur, dragon heartstring, nine and a half inches, and fur. stiff. Have I we know, ever had fur. fur? I don't think so. It's F-I-R, but it's funny because cats are furry. Oh my god, I <laughs> love it. <laughs> her goofball. Too bad her interior couldn't have, her, the interior of her wand couldn't have been, like, a nasal whisker. Yeah, or don't, don't they have something from a wampus or no? Did I make that up? Um, in America, they do, I yeah. think. Uh, maybe? I don't know. I might have made it up. Um, so, fir wood, uh, I looked that up on the Pottermore. And these are always... <laughs> what was that? It just made me laugh because you oh. were like, the Pottermore. I thought you hiccuped. <laughs> no, because it just made me think of like, the Ohio State University. <laughs> the Pottermore. <laughs> So, fur is the survivor's wand, um, because, this is from Ollivander's point of view, his grandfather had sold it to three wizards who subsequently passed through mortal mortal peril unscathed. There's no doubt that this wood, coming as it does from the most resilient of trees, produces wands that demand staying power and strength of purpose in their true owners, and that they are poor tools in the hands of the changeable and indecisive. Fur wands are particularly suited to transfiguration and favor owners of of focused, strong-minded, and occasionally intimidating demeanor. Basically, a griffin claw. Yeah, McGonagall. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, she's clearly... We'll learn about more of her, um, like, personal life and, like, her adult life later on. But she's gone through a lot. 
Yeah. More than an average person should. More than an average person does. Um, even her childhood. I mean, she had to deal with a lot of hardships then, too. And then yeah. we know that she, she... You don't mess around with her. You don't want to get on the wrong side of her. She's not indecisive at all. Um, and we know, that obviously, she's good at transfiguration. She's also really good at taking way too many points. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go, guys. I'm just... I'm never going to let it go. <laughs> So, dragon. I need I need you to let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. We watched Frozen last night. Let it go. Nope. So, dragon heartstring. As a rule, dragon heartstring produces wands with the most power. So, there's a lot of power going on all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they do. Mine's dragon heartstring. Woo woo woo. And which are the most, which are capable of the most flamboyant spells? Dragon wands tend to learn more quickly than other types. Here's this chick learning magic at like three hours old. No big deal. <laughs> While they can change allegiance of one from their original master, they always bond strongly with the current owner. The wand, the dragon wand tends to be easiest to turn to the dark arts, though it will not incline that way of its own accord. So I think McGonagall's got enough good in her to be like, wand. Except no. when it comes to points. I need you to sit over there. It is also the most prone moving. of the three cores to <laughs> accidents, being somewhat temperamental, which I kind of feel... A pre- reflects her personality with her like being not temperamental but she's temperamental okay all right well i think she is but like not in like like in a good way in a cool way sure cool (laughs) (laughs) and as far as wand flexibility and rigidity goes it's really just like it kind of talks it's like the willingness to the wand's willingness to change yeah so hers is not changing allegiance right because stiff. I don't know if I've ever heard a wand called stiff yet. Mm-mm. What's Bellatrix's called? Unyielding. 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 Yeah. You're right. Okay. So, that <clears throat> might be worse than stiff, though. Stiff is just like, I take it as like, she's she knows what she wants in life. She's, But also, I think she's closed herself off from a lot because of what she's endured in life. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. We got Tam's section on her uh, Animagus and Patronus. Ooh! Okay. <laughs> You're good, Tim Tam. Get it. Yeah, I like calling you Tim Tam because that's like an Australian cookie, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the fact that you guys call me Tim Tam and Tiff calls me Tam Tam, I've actually got a very close friend of mine that calls me Tam Tam as well. So <laughs> you you both, like all of you guys have just singled out the two main things that people usually call me, and that's just <laughs> two thumbs up. <laughs> Yay! I, like, really love Tim Tams, so it's the first thing I think of when I see your name. Ooh, Tim Tam. <laughs> there was one time it just, like, I don't know why we were talking about you, Tam, but I was it just slipped out. I was like, Tim Tam, ooh, I hope she doesn't mind that. I should ask her. <laughs> I guarantee you I've I been called worse. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you I was probably, like, showing Katie a picture of Audrey. Probably. <laughs> Possibly. It's well, unusual. It's a cute name. Yeah. It is. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Rip that band-aid off. <laughs> okay. So um, I will be speaking about the Animagus and Patronus uh, today. And I was going to start talking about the Animagus first. Do it. And done it yeah. I did it in this way because I think it follows quite well onto the Patronus and the listeners will understand why. So by now we should all know what an Animagus is, but it is a, the, a transfiguration learnt skill of turning yourself into an animal. It is quite a difficult process. 
So as Tiffany said, um, Albus Dumbledore was her transfiguration teacher and she learnt how to be an animagus under the, under his guidance. And I think that's quite common with quite a few people. They often need the guidance of, say, a teacher to actually do this process. How the Marauders did it on their own should be commended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also interesting to note that the animal is not chosen by the individual but determined by the personality traits of that individual. Um, each animagus will have specific identifying marks which reflects that individual as well. We know Professor McGonagall is an animagus straight off the bat, very first chapter of Philosopher's Stone or in America, Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> We're too stupid oh, to know what a philosopher is. <laughs> is that the reason? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so straight off the bat, we actually know that about her. Um, we don't obviously know what an animagus is at that point, but we know that she has the ability to turn herself into um, a cat. So well, I was going to read... Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right, exactly. So I was going to read out a passage from Chapter 1, and... Yeah, and I'm going to also extend a little bit further just with a bit of the uh, interaction between her and Dumbledore. So my most hated thing doing at school was reading out loud. So here we go. Me over too. You got this. Podcast. <laughs> okay. Fancy seeing you here, Professor McGonagall. He turned and smiled at the tabby, but it had gone. Instead, he was smiling at a rather severe-looking woman who was wearing square glasses exactly the shape of the markings the cat had around its eyes. She too was wearing a cloak, an emerald one. <clears throat> Her black hair was drawn into a tight bun and she, look- she looked distinctly ruffled. How did you know it was me? She asked. My dear professor, I've never seen a cat sit so stiffly. You'd be stiff if you'd been sitting on a brick wall all day, said Professor McGonagall. So interesting to note that her wand is stiff and she was sitting stiffly. Yes, Megan. <laughs> I think that it's interesting that she questions Dumbledore knowing that it was her when he taught her to become an animagus. Yeah. (laughs) Joe, excuse me. I think you need to delete something else off Pottermore. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So we see that her unique markings as an animagus is the square spectacles around her eyes. And now I am going to bring up a personal gripe with regards to the Funko Pop that recently came out for McGonagall as um, as the cat. I love it. It's a prized possession of mine. However, no square markings around her eyes. And I Are find there that, any at all? Yeah, there's like some stripes um, on her body. Like, so she's a silver striped cat, um, but no stripes around her eyes, just literally the, the black dots for eyes. Now, yeah, how the I heck thought, did that slip through? I thought I know. That it looked just like normal cat markings when I looked at it, and it actually deterred me from buying it. Mm. I, don't, I don't own that one, because I was like, it just looks like a grey cat. It doesn't look like McGonagall to me. Yeah, and I wish I wish I probably, um, I got overly excited, because anything McGonagall, I'm going to be like, yes, give me yeah. it. No, I totally um, get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, when I got it home, I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Mm. Katie, got... is that your hair? Yeah. Sorry, I'm doing it awkwardly. <laughs> if she changed how her glasses looked, where did her markings change? Possibly. 
Like, if she was like, I'm getting stars, would they look like stars? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna guess sorry, yes. Guess. No, yeah, I, I would guess yes. Or like round I guess, or hairy? I guess no. I think it does whatever you have at the time that you first transform. I could see either. It's, it's interesting to note when it comes to your animagus because um, it can change in terms of something that happens severely to your body. So um, we see that with Pettigrew. He loses his finger oh, right. and he's missing a toe. Right. So it, it could be possible that she does change, um, but that seems quite less severe, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I guess, yes. I, I guess I'm not sure, actually, because you do have to, like, put it down in the book at the ministry, like, what your markings are. And if they could change so easily, um, then that book would kind of be pointless because people would just purposefully, ch- you know, change something on themselves yes. for right. that. But I wonder, like, if you got a tattoo or something like that, if, like, that would cause... Because that's, like, a permanent change. Glasses is not a permanent change, you know what I mean? But, like, something like mm-hmm. a tattoo, maybe. I don't know. Interesting thoughts. I'm really picturing prongs with, like, a sleeve. Yeah, that'd be sick, wouldn't it? Like, from his hoof all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> Someone draw it. <laughs> Someone draw it. <laughs> do it, do it. So, yeah, that was my gripe about the Funko Pop. So, I'm just trying to get my positioning back again. <laughs> um, so, if we haven't announced it already... Professor McGonagall uh, changes into a silver tabby cat. As mentioned, oh, yeah, the ding ding. <laughs> I'm going to sing the ding ding song. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Someone's got to know what that, that's of. <laughs> um, so in, in this sense, we know that, um, that it's actually the personality traits of the human that predicts the animal or the animal that you're going to change into. And rather than list off a whole bunch of personality traits of Professor McGonagall, I thought I'd go the opposite way and see the personality traits of a tabby cat. I love it. And I thought that, yeah. And um, I just did a simple Google about this. Um, I had a tabby cat growing up, so um, I believe this is pretty accurate. They're considerably friendly, intelligent, sassy, and very affectionate. Um Yep. <laughs> so, to me, this just highlights Joe knows exactly what she's doing. And yeah. this is from the very get-go that we know that she's a tabby cat. So, she knows exactly what type of personality she wants this professor to be. We see the sass between her and um, Dumbledore. You know, she's not afraid to go back to him and say, well, you would you would be stiff as well if you had to sit on a, you know, a bench or a wall, you know. Mm-hmm. So, she's afraid to give that sass and we see that countless times um throughout the series um and if we do get a chance to discuss her relationships with people we can yeah. definitely explore that so yeah um, i think this this perfectly fits her personality traits she is extremely intelligent um and i think she is considerably friendly so she's she strikes me as a person who once she gets to know you or once she can see who you are as a person, she tends to warm up to you a bit more. And I think mm-hmm. that's quite like a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah definitely. Say, sounds exactly like a cat. Sounds like my tabby cat. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, though, we have a tabby cat that looks just like McGonagall's tabby cat, and she is none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> she's not. She's not. 
She never warms up to you. She's the anti-McG. She is. Even though she's named <laughs> after her. She would be like, you know how, like, Peter Pan has a shadow? <laughs> yeah, and he's not nice. That's Minnie. Oh, yeah, her name is Minnie, too. Minerva. Yep, that's her name, she's Minerva. She's Minerva's shadow. She's Minerva's shadow. I'm going to start calling her Minnie Shadow. <laughs> I'm so mad, Minnie. She just, I don't know. She just got problems, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> poor Minnie. Do you want yeah, I've had... I'll send her. I'll send her to you. Oh my god. Would Audrey oh. be okay with her? Uh, I don't know. You send us a box of Tim Tams. <laughs> we'll send you a kit. Yeah. Fair trade, really. You're right. <laughs> and that's totally not illegal for no. me to send a kit to Australia in a box. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's not get into that when it comes to Johnny Depp, etc., and things like that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He got in trouble taking a dog Ooh, to Australia. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> so keeping this all in mind about Professor McGonagall in Animagus, I'm now going to move on to the Patronus, and you'll see why I'm asking the listeners to keep this all in mind about her personality traits. So we, we know that a Patronus is a defensive charm. It is one of the most powerful defensive spells that you can conjure. And it, it is the only spell um, that is defensive against the, the Dementors. Um, and just a side note, I love what Joe does there. So she's basically enforcing the power of happiness and hope um, yeah. against depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, a really... A really great thing that she does in her writings. You don't, you might not get it on the first reads or anything like that, but the further you dive in, you, you surely see these things coming out. Yeah. Um, and thanks to your Remus Lupin episode, we uh, also know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also know that some wizards and witches only manage uh, in in corp. Oh, I hate this word because I want to say incorporate. Yeah, I want to say incorporeal, but it's incorporeal, I think. I think that's correct. Um, So some people only manage this, uh, which is just like a mass or a wisp that's of the silvery white light. Um, And some people actually choose this. So we actually see that with Remus. He chooses this because he doesn't want to associate with his uh, animagus, sorry, Patronus animal form. This is not the case when it comes to McG. So now that I give you that summary... Just in uh, J.K. Rowling style, only more stuttering sense than what she would do. <laughs> <It's> fine, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, McGee's Patronus is a cat. Now, it's not just any cat. It is her unique self. Um, it is the very same cat as her animagus. So when I looked into just different personalities um, or what different Patronuses meant. I found about 13 different types of Patronuses that are cats, one including my own. Um, And they're quite intriguing when you see, um, when you get into those nitty-gritty details. Some of them are very similar, um, and then they just have one or two types um, of personalities that are a little bit different. So you'll find like a ragdoll is quite affectionate um, and possibly like another cat, not so much. So we actually know what her Patronus is from the great text itself, The Deathly Hallows. And I thought I'd read that out for everyone. 
Okay, so in Deathly Hallows, and this is at the part where that Ravenclaw Tower, and she was there with Harry and Luna. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, and she says, come, we must alert the other heads of the houses. You better put that cloak back on. She marched down the hall, and as she did, she raised her wand. From the tip burst three silver cats with spectacle markings around their eyes. The Patronuses ran sleekly ahead, filling a spiral staircase with silvery lights as Professor McGonagall, Harry and Luna hurried back down. So, as you can see, her Patronus is actually her animagus. It's unique to her. And what I find so fascinating about this is that her spirit guardian or her protector is herself. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's essentially yeah. yeah. And I just think that's just a lesson to be learned for all those who are struggling out there um, with depression, etc. Like drawing from your own strength and your own um, sense of being, mm-hmm. and knowing that you know if it, if it can be helped, you are the author of your own happiness and health, uh, happiness and hope as well. So, yeah, awesome. um, she's a great example of that, and yeah. That's that's what I've collected from the Patronuses and Animaguses, and I just think that's amazing. And I'm going to hand over to Megan. Megan, I was just <laughs> going to say that I think that I wonder if the the whole idea of like her being her own Patronus is kind of like a parallel almost to like her home life whenever she was younger, because maybe she did feel like um, like she was in a, a spot that she didn't really have control over trapped. something like that. Like she felt trapped where she was because she, she was under the same su- su- suppression that her mom was. Um, yeah. so she kind of had to, uh, like in a way her, her being able to go to Hogwarts was like, I kind of view that as her Patronus and it really was just herself. She got to be herself and that is what like, made her be happy so I wonder if that is why that is the form that her Patronus took because like her being able to truly be herself is what brings her happiness guys I mm-hmm. got chills over here from both of you Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. I just like I actually did not remember the. Fa- I didn't remember that her Patronus was her actual animagus form I knew it was a cat Yeah. but I totally yeah. forgot about the fact that it was her as a cat and that is just so striking to me. Like, it's just so McGonagall to me. She's so, so awesome. B.A. Yeah, like, there's no other, there's no better word than that. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you... And the fact that, and the fact that she became an Animagus in school just like the Marauders. Like, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a feat. I mean, yeah, she did have help from Dumbledore, but... I mean, and also, like, what a what a Dumbledore thing to teach a student, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to take on this little side project with you. I'll help you become an Animagus. Like, right. That, like right. that's just so Dumbledore. It's just that's my cool. man. That's my man. Did they do it when she was a student? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. it, it, it alludes to that because yeah. it says, like, he was her teacher and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ooh, I hear a little Miss Alana. <laughs> I have one thing to add before we're done. Sure. Um, so we talked about how Minerva is the Roman goddess of warriors and wisdom. 
Um, but where she got McGonagall from is actually really funny. I don't know if we've brought this up on another yeah. podcast, but me and Meg obviously went overseas and we went to Greyfriars Kirkyard where in Edinburgh. in Edinburgh where JK Rowling walked around and she pulled a lot of inspiration for names. So McGonagall is actually one of them. Uh, William McGonagall is literally buried. He's buried at Greyfriars Kirkyard. Yes. And yeah. literally on his gravestone it says he's the worst well, it's poet. like a plaque next to his gravestone. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't actually put it on his gravestone. <laughs> they still put a plaque on it, all right? Yeah, but probably after the fact, years later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I like this from Joe. Uh, Wait, you never finished. Did you finish the thought? It, no. There was a plaque. No, you didn't. Yeah, There's, I did. No, you didn't. You didn't say what it said. Yeah. Oh. No. Well, yo, you interrupted me. You threw my <laughs> train of thought off the rail. There is a plaque beside his gravestone that says that he is the worst poet in British history. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Meg. And Joe says here, there was something irresistible to me about his name. Oh, I'm sorry. Why are you stealing my stuff? (laughs) You you sounded like you were going to move on. No! Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) Go on. No, Katie, don't let her take it. You read it, Katie. I'm going to make you read this. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) William McGonagall. Is celebrated as the wor- the worst poet in British history. Yeah, says said Joe. that already. There was something irresistible to me about his name, and the idea that <laughs> and the idea that such a brilliant woman might be a distant relative of of a buffoonish McGonagall. A buffoonish. That's rude. You know what's rude? Stealing my part. Oh my god! Oh, Does anybody oh, want to hear oh. a poem by William McGonagall? This was follow. The following was written as part of a poem commemorating a Victorian railway disaster. Beautiful railway bridge of the Silvery Tay. Alas, I am very sorry to say that ninety lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of nineteen seventy nine, which eighteen seventy nine, which will be remembered for a very long time. Applause! Great. Way to go, William. <laughs> Thank you. You ain't no buffoonish. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that is part one of probably a two-parter, I would assume. Two or three. Thank you, Tam. Thank you, Tam Tam. No worries at all. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Of course. I I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but she, like, skipped work this morning, so. (laughs) I'll take this out. I'll take this out so she doesn't get in trouble at work. I don't know. Maybe if anyone will hear it. I don't think anyone's going to hear it, really. She skipped work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we will be coming back next time with part two of G's character profile. And that concludes this week's Felix File. Thank you so much for listening. And don't let the muggles get you down. Christmas tree. Um, the first thing I want to do before Megan gets into her stuff is (laughs) read this little intro (laughs) and it says, (laughs) hold on, hold on.
What is wrong with you? What? I'm so sorry. You should be, ma'am. I don't know what she's laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> oh. ornament that we've put this is the first year we've ever put it up and it's Pooh Bear and you plug it into a light and he peeks out of a stocking and then goes on and then peeks and it's just constant <laughs> and that's what Iggy's staring at and his eyes are so big and he's just like and then you, I, saw, I was looking over at him and I saw him and his head was like <laughs> he's just watching the Pooh Bear and I can't Aren't you glad you don't edit the episodes? Yeah, but you better cut that and keep that piece, though. We will. We will. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't good to give away. My son. I was looking at him like, oh, he's cute, but what are you laughing at? No, like, okay, I looked over at him and I'm like, yeah, he's cute, but then I realized what he was looking at and I just lost it. Tiffany, oh props to you for trying to continue. I know, I'm sorry. I, I just, like, I really hard. had to laugh and, like... It had to come out because it was like I'm either gonna be crying because I'm trying to hold my laugh in, and then I'll sound like an idiot, or I'm gonna have to pause you and just laugh. So, uh, are right. we ready? Get in, yes. the, get, get over here! Don't do it again. He was batting at it just now. <laughs> it's a cat in a tree, of course. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so intrigued. I just—it's hilarious. Oh gosh! Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. Yep. All right.